today on this episode of the People You Should Know podcast. I didn't tell people this, but in my brain, I said, I want to be known as the web guy. So when somebody in business said, you know, hey, do you know anybody that does websites? I want to be top of mind. And so I worked my beep, my butt off yep. to, um, to just be that guy. And it was amazing for almost 12 years. I was the only organized company in Greenfield, Indiana, population 24,000. You know, it was like. Welcome to the People You Should Know podcast, telling the stories of people you should know and allowing their greatness to inspire everyday people. And now, here are your weekly hosts, Danny Ferry and David Farwell. What's up, guys? Welcome to the People You Should Know podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferry. And alongside me, as always, is my co-host, David Farwell. Dave, how's it going today? Today is a good day here in Southern California. Beautiful morning. I had an amazing breakfast burrito, and uh, the day could not get off to a better start. So let's roll with this amazing podcast episode. Yeah, dude. I, we're already having some synergy because I just got done eating an empanada for my lunch. Oh, come on. So we got the we got the Mexican connection going here. Right, I'm we, pumped about that. There we go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, with us today uh, we have a friend of mine, Greg Cross from Faith Video. I'm super excited to have you on today, Greg. So for those of you um, that are listening, I thought that Greg was definitely somebody that you need to know. And there's a couple of things. So uh, Greg and I haven't known each other for a super long time, but uh, and this will probably be the first time Greg hears this for me. But Greg uh, made almost an immediate first impression on me because I'm somebody who really who really values when people do things and they do them with excellence. And so uh, when I first kind of heard of Greg, not even before I met him, I was checking out some of the stuff that he had done in his video marketing business and just thought to myself, this guy has done things extremely well. He hasn't left any I without a dot or any T's uncrossed. And I really appreciate that. So I got a chance to, to know Greg even better. We got to meet in person, and that definitely shines through in the conversation. So, Greg, thank you so much for being on today, man. You're welcome. This, that's the kind of clip that I'm going to edit out and then send to my wife and five kids. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Like, listen to what this guy just said about hey, me. Hey, just a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we can all relate. We're all working like a marketing or, or, you know, of some of some level. And nobody really understands, like, right, those last couple minutes that you just are trying to get that thing just right, how important that is to making things excellent. So uh, maybe we should all clip. That. Yeah, maybe we should all clip that out and send it to our <laughs> uh, respective partners, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, this week, I wanted to kind of start off the show doing something a little bit different. So for those of you listening, I sent Dave a text uh, probably about midnight my time, roughly uh, 9 p.m. his time. And uh, I just want to I want to talk about some current topics before we get into talking about Greg's journey, because um, I think we're all as a society, we're probably talking about them or. Um, you know, we, we are trying to figure out a good, healthy viewpoint on, on some of the different trending things. And so I sent Dave a text and I said, what do you think about us talking about like this topic? And, and so we agreed. So Greg, we're going to just kind of like yeah, throw, you, like throw it right out there. Secret stuff um, here. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, you know, <laughs> we're going to really know how excellent you are right now, but 
<laughs> but um, so the, one of the really trending topics has been uh, a man uh, in the technology world who has really made waves, and that's Elon Musk. And so this last week, um, you know, obviously these Twitter files have, have come out. But one of the things that I'm just so compelled by, and if anybody checks out our TikTok, I kind of I put a TikTok uh, post out last night, is the fact that um, Elon Musk spent $44 million to find out the truth. And that just seems to me like something that so many people are, are overlooking in the midst of in the midst of a lot of a lot of the political stuff or, or whatever. But Greg, I wanted to ask you just what's your overall thoughts on Elon Musk from everything you're hearing, everything you're seeing, what you know about him with right Tesla, uh, SpaceX program and now Twitter. Like what's your general feeling about the man, Elon Musk? Yeah, so I think anybody who's in business um, will look at an Elon Musk from a distance and just be impressed. Yeah. Um, I think when I look at his story, you know, he doesn't have the traditional story that, you know, he was born and, you know, on the, on the east side of Chicago. Or I mean, you know, he's not from this country. Um, and I even uh, took some time last year and dove in. You know, he doesn't necessarily come from a, a stellar home. Um, you know, I think his parents are, are divorced and never got the praise from his dad that he wanted or, you know, you know, so all those kind of things. I, yeah. I understand that he has an incredible relationship with his mother who is still living. And then when you when you delve into her, she's she's quite, you know, um, a person herself and some of the successes that she's had. Well, can um, you can you can you can you tell us a couple of those? Because I've never heard about his his mom's successes. Um, Gosh. I can't remember. I, I really, I really can't. I know that. No, she's, that's fine. She's, um, um, I, I can't. But I know that she's been successful. I want to say she's had some success in the modeling world. Okay. Um, fact check me on that. Um, but she's been. His dad was successful too. Mm-hmm. But but just to kind of to to give some air to the idea yeah. that you know he. He's kind of a bootstrapped, you know, somewhere along the lines, you know, he just kind of went for it. I know right. that he has been, um, you know, there's some, uh, he's not autistic, but uh, maybe Asperger's and, you know, so, but even he's overcome that and he, you know, right. goes for it. And so that's on his background. But when you look at him as a businessman, it it is, I sometimes go like, are you for real? Yeah, Are you for real. Like I was watching a podcast just last week and he was talking, he goes and he says, we're really, really close at developing some brain stuff to where, you know, they can put this AI stuff in people's brain and it would just fix their blindness. Yeah, he I, said, I heard about very that. Boldly, he goes, he said, I, I believe that one day we will cure blindness. And I'm like, what? Who <laughs> do you guys sit around and think like? Ooh, let me think how I can cure blindness. I mean, you know, like you're supposed to be a, a rocket and, and now a Twitter guy. So I don't know. He just, he guys, he just thinks outside the box. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, I know he's been compared to other, you know, like Thomas Edison and other great inventor thinker type of people, Einstein, but I don't know. He just, he lives in a different world. So now on the Twitter thing, um, Danny, I mean, 
I'm still looking at this because I'm I'm not saying that he has a motive. Mm-hmm. But just think that he doesn't have a motive. He does. You right. know, he's not going to come out and say my motive is. Well, he might. He might do that. But obviously for him to plop down the cash, I think it's a fun too. Because if I, guys, correct me if I'm right. I mean, he was one of the founders of PayPal. Um, yep. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, and so that's a pretty big company, you know. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about last night, Greg, and Dave, yeah. I'll, pass, I'll pass this. So last night I was thinking, okay, so all I keep hearing is um, like Twitter wasn't a great investment. Okay. So I know he has more than enough money. Money isn't the issue, but he spent right. 44, he spent $44 billion and almost immediately he went in there and he said, you know, this company isn't profitable. We have to lay people off. I need to create some type of uh, revenue stream through subscriptions. So to me, when I look at that and, and Dave, I'm going to pass this to you and see if like, I want to check my own thinking. So I'm going to give you permission to check my thinking. When you're in business, right, and you're making an acquisition, your your purpose is either one, you think it can be profitable and you can make money off of it, or there's another motive. And it seems to me like Twitter was not one of those acquisitions where he looked at it and said, I'm going to be profitable. So am I right in thinking that there is another that there is another motive that's going on there? Or am I just completely crazy and I'm a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of space in between the two. Uh, so not going to jump quick to say that you're a conspiracy theorist. Hey, listen, man, s- <laughs> some people might be like, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist. <clears throat> yeah. And, you, you know, look, that is the world that we that we live in generally. People are so quick to put one another in a box. Uh, probably one of my greatest disappointments with our current society. Yeah. Because, you know, if we were... Let, let's take Elon for you know as an example, Danny, with what you just said. To remain curious with Elon and just say, "Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to do with that." I don't necessarily know that the world benefits from me having an opinion about Elon Musk, but what I do realize is that you are right. I mean, you don't buy a company unless a you think it's going to be profitable or B you have, you have another intended purpose. Right. Um, now we could all speculate on what Elon's intended purpose is because I don't know that look, if Twitter is going to be a profitable company, probably not anytime in the next couple of years. Um, it's going to be a restructuring in a, in a, a time period where, uh, you know, social media platforms, have been pretty stagnant for a while. I would not be shocked to find out that perhaps one of his motives is to begin to change the face of how social media interacts with daily society. Right. Um, and so I, I, I've taken the posture with Elon and Twitter of going, mm, I don't necessarily care about other people's opinions. I, I've been very interested in the layoffs and what he's doing there, the fact he said he's he's actually sleeping at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco, right? Um, you know, so there there's there's some big things that are that are likely coming because he does nothing small in life. Uh, and Greg, to fact check you, you are completely correct. Uh, his his mother is um, both a model at the age of seventy, 
Uh, she's wow. still a model and and a dietitian. Um, she's pretty well known uh, for her you know her work in both of those areas. But getting back to what you said, Danny, no, I don't think you're you know a conspiracy theorist, but I do think it's it's really interesting to go. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder w- what he's going to do, um, and then to sit back and 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 you know watch it unfold. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be really hard. Everything that he does, everything that Elon Musk does, makes somebody really happy and somebody really mad. And yeah. that's one of the things I love about him. And here's the reason I think that I think the reason that is, Dave. And- Everybody wants to paint him, right? I said this last night on my TikTok. They either they want to act like he's on one side of the fence or the other. Right. I think the greatest thing about Elon right now is that he is an independent thinker. I don't think he's on anybody's side but the truth. Yep. And for the sake of agree. society, he wants the truth to be out there. Greg, I want to ask you one follow-up question to this and then we're going to we're going to jump into your story here a little bit. What do you make of the fact that Elon and Apple had a little bit of a, a tiff last week. And then Elon goes and meets with, with um, Tim Cook. The That's his name, right? Tim Cook? Am I right on yeah, that? The CEO, okay. yeah. Yeah, the CEO. They, he, he goes and meets with him. And following that meeting, it appears that whatever was wrong has been patched up. Apple goes from removing ads to now being back fully supporting Twitter again. What would you read into that, if anything, from, like, the news of that all like happening and, and then the end result of Apple coming back to the table. Well, let me, let me back up. One thing that I do know and Elon Musk has said is that he is a champion of free speech. Yeah. He has said over and over again, I want Twitter to be the modern town square. Yes. He, ha- he has said that. And I applaud him for that because it's interesting that, the uh, not to try to get into conservative liberal camps, but there right, are people right, right. who don't want don't want Twitter to be you know legit and transparent. Um, that just blows me away. And then also, I really I, mean, I felt jugulars you know blood in my when people were multi million dollar celebrities celebrities who didn't want to pay eight dollars a month to have the blue check mark. Yeah, I'd be like really. I'm just like I'll give. I'm nobody, but I'll get. I'll pay eight bucks a month to get an official blue check mark. What are yep. these people? So, so he's obviously, you know. I think you're right, Dan. He's he's tapping on, you know, some people's, um, you know, just their 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 soft spots, their veins. Their he's mm-hmm. just opening up because they don't, you know, because he is who he is. Um, so answer your question about Cook. I think probably the bottom line. My my hunch on that is um, money. It's attached to money. Um, I mean, when you're when you're playing those type of circles, it's got to be all about the money. And if if, if we fantasize for a moment um, what Twitter, if Twitter was taken off the app, the Apple App Store, I think probably Elon Musk helped tip the discussional scale to the fact, do you know how many iPhone users you would tick off? Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, because there may be some people who say, you know, well, you know, I don't care if you have access to it, but I think they really do care. Because think mm-hmm. of how many people 
companies, individuals um, in that technology culture have iPhones, and Twitter is their town square. They may not call it that, but it is their town square. Yeah, I think that's a – I mean, this is really funny. So over, uh, this is the power of Elon buying it, and uh, my parents are now on Twitter, and they were never on Twitter before. My mother-in-law is on Twitter. My I got wife, more active back on it now that he owns that Musk owns it. I've had an account for years. Right. So there's people now like everything that's happening and even the fact that they're releasing stuff on Twitter, right? Everyone's going to Twitter to see everything that's being released. And what's really been fun is there has been more recently now the ta- the town hall discussions. Like I love that. I love open discussion. I'm not one of those people who think that I'm always right. And I love having discussions and being able to like hear other people's opinions. And like, it's the, it's the adage of like iron sharpens iron. Like I don't have it all figured out. And there are things that, that I need to be like a little better in. And I can only do that either through talking with people or being in relationship with people. So I think um, that's been really amazing. Dave, did you have any final thoughts on this uh, before we transition uh, over to talking about Greg and his amazing story. Well, I think we could we could jump into all kinds of speculations, but you know, I would I would just say this. Uh, Greg said it well right at the beginning of this discussion. Elon is uh, he he thinks on a level in a plane that the average person does not, um, and so I think it's pretty comical when people try to to put Elon Musk in a box. Um, and so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this, you know, particular chapter of his story unfold. He's, he's a savvy businessman. He knows what he's doing. And the dude is funny. He I is. Know, yeah. He is so funny and has incredible wit. So, yep. <laughs> In so the I'm, words just, of- I'm, I'm looking at this going like, this is, you know, it's just going to be a fun social media ride. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. In the words of Russell Crowe from Gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> you know? When I open up my Twitter, which now I open it up every day, the first thing I go, see what Elon Musk has been tweeting. You know, there was a yep. recent tweet. His his ex-wife, who bore him much of the kids that he has, you know, said something about him. And he just did an emoji with the rolling eyes like, what? And it was, <laughs> it was classic. And then, I don't know, he got like a gazillion you know, comments and retweets just to, just because he did an emoji. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> well, those of you listening, feel free to join in on the discussion here. Leave us a comment uh, on our YouTube or our TikTok or wherever you're listening to this clip at. We'd love to know how you're feeling about this and, um, you know, join in on the discussion with us. We don't have it all figured out, but maybe you have a theory or an inside track on what might be happening. We'd love to hear it. We'd even read it on the air uh, on one of our future episodes um, so feel free to leave a comment there. <clears throat> so Greg, let's get into your story a little bit, man. So I'm, again, I'm super pumped to have you on here. And so, you know, me, we were able to have a discussion. I know you live in Indianapolis, but I wanted to ask you, um, is Indianapolis where you grew up? Is that where you're originally from or did you grow up somewhere else? See, I'm surprised you didn't start off by saying, so when you met with Tim Cook earlier in the summer, Greg, what were <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't meet with Tim Cook earlier. Um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm a Hoosier, um, born here in Indiana. Um, 
I pretty much have lived here, uh, Danny and David, my whole life, but for four years. And the other four years were in South Carolina. So oh, nice. Um, but I'm one of those kids where, holy crap, like my wife has lived in two houses her whole, you know, I mean, growing up, formative years. I, I think I moved 12 times before the age of 13. Wow. <laughs> you know, and just because dad was, dad, my dad was in sales. My dad just retired from sales at 79. You know, I'm like, does HR know that you're 70? And then does HR know you're 75? Does HR know you're 79? He's like, I want to retire. I'm going to retire. So he finally did from a 40-year sales job, um, retired at 79, just December of 2021. Um, yeah, so Indiana is home. Uh, Indianapolis is new. Uh, we just moved to Indianapolis uh, three years ago. Okay. So your dad, what what was he selling in his sales job? Or was it different things throughout? Nope. He was pretty much his whole sales career was in the printing industry. Okay. And he ended up, uh, his last sales tent was with a company actually based out of Belgium. They've gone through a couple of mergers and buyers, but called Zycon. And what he did was he sold big printing presses, digital printing presses to companies like Procter & Gamble and digital. I mean, he sold to a guy who was the major printer. You guys ever go to Lowe's or Home Depot? Of course you do, mm -hmm. you guys. Um, you buy those five-gallon buckets, you know, and they print on the outside of them. Like, one of his presses prints that. Oh, cool. Uh, so, And it's just like in the desktop printers. You know, they might sell a press for a quarter of a million bucks, but they make way more much money on the ink that they sell. Very know. interesting. How about your mom? Yeah. Uh, what, what was she doing as you guys were growing up? She was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. She she worked every once in a while. I know she had a, a job with State Farm for one time, but, you know, I mean, I say this as a blessing. Dad made enough money that she didn't really have to work. Right. Um, yeah, so she pretty much raised us. And Yeah. And so cool. where did you – where did you um, – where did you get your like original entrepreneurial like 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 where did you first see kind of the business or somebody running business was it from your parents or was it some other family member kind of had that that entrepreneurial spirit behind them yeah that's a great question um i would say probably to be honest my mom which sounds kind of weird to go that direction because she yeah. didn't but um i mean my dad was sales i mean my dad was entrepreneurial but my dad was always happier working for somebody else and not not that that is the focus of what an entrepreneur is but i i worked for people but i i felt more freedom when i didn't work for somebody else and i was blazing my own trail right so what was your mom doing that you kind of noticed was like, so for instance, I'll tell you, I've mentioned this in the last episode, but uh, both of my parents have always worked for companies, but where I saw it was my mom had a little side baking business. And as a kid, I was always like, I always just wanted to be like, mom, just go for it. Right? Like you be your own boss. Your stuff's awesome. I'm a fat little kid for a reason. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, Go for it. Um, so what were you seeing in your mom that was kind of like the entrepreneurial um, stuff? Well, so this is going to be a weird answer, but my mom, and I don't know if this is entrepreneurial, guys, but my mom was no, she, 
first of all, she taught me and my two siblings, I had a brother and a sister, to never buy anything for retail, full retail. My mom was the queen of, you know, buying, finding something on sale. This was before Amazon and everything like that. Okay. My mom had no reservations about walking into name, you know, name a well-known department store, Macy's, uh, blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, picking up an item, I'll just pick up, here's a little, you know, and this item sells for $25 and going up to them and go, would you take 18 in a retail really? store? <laughs> yeah. So she would look at a dress and, and I'm telling you guys, the, the clerk, the, you know, the, just the, you know, normal clerk that's doing that to pay the bills would be like, let me go check with my manager. Yeah. She'll sell it to you for 18. I mean, who does that? <laughs> that is awesome. My mom, my mom did that. And, um, and so I just, she just had a lot of guts and um, she never was into Danny, what you said about, you know, selling stuff. She never did mm-hmm. sold stuff for Avon or Tupperware or I mean, wasn't that kind of an entrepreneur, but she just had a lot of sales and negotiation savvy. And I, I, I think that definitely rubbed off on me. Now, my dad did. My dad at one point in his life started seeing more kind of entrepreneurial stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a hot dog wagon that he traveled around to festivals um, and they did. Um, they resold antiques when antiques okay. were really big and popular. So they would, you know, be, um, you know, think American pickers, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. American hmm. picker. My dad did that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. So you were tagging along, you were like helping to work the hot dog oh, stand yeah. oh, and like going yeah. every weekend. We, it was, <clears throat> but it was kind of cool. I mean, I'd help him set it up and he had a yeah. pizza restaurant one point for a year. And I, I went in there and made pizzas. In fact, I got my first, um, I got my first uh, speeding ticket going home one night <laughs> late after pizza, <laughs> back home. That I, I got pulled over because I just I was so stinking tired. I think I was swerving or something, but it was coming home from the pizza <laughs> shop. Right. So I, had a, I have to ask you a question. Uh, <clears throat> me and my wife, when we first got married, man, we were we were big American Pickers fans. We don't watch it so much now, but back then when we didn't have any kids, you know. Be nothing to come home from work, throw some American pickers on, whatever. So what was the coolest thing that you guys found, like, in your time of doing some of the antiquing and stuff that you, like, remember? And you're like, oh, that was really cool. Oh, gosh. So you're picking my brain here. Um, I don't know if I can have an answer to that. I, 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 here's how I answered that, and it's not, it's not cool. But so, like, the dishes – that I have downstairs in our kitchen mm-hmm. were the same dishes that my mom and dad dragged me to an auction house in Pataskala, Ohio, mm-hmm. probably 1977 and bought those dishes. You know, it's one of those, you know, here's a box. Hey, give me five, give me five, you know, and you bought everything in that box <laughs> and having to be a stack of dishes. They're in my kitchen. <laughs> That's awesome. I use them to this day. We just did a we just did a white elephant with my networking group, uh, and we have an auctioneer in our group, and so it was really cool. Uh, one of the members went over, picked a gift off the pile. This was just on uh, Tuesday night, and he thought it was like it was in the shape of like a gift box, or I'm sorry, like like he went over and he was like, oh, you can't go wrong with a gift card, is what he said, because he thought you know, hey, it's in the shape of a gift card. Where well, here he opened it up, and it was really cool. Uh, he was actually given a a coin from uh, 319 between 319 and 320 BC from the Roman Empire 
uh, oh. like BC. Um, and so the worth of it was only about 25 bucks is what the auctioneer said. He bought it from a coin shop to bring. But I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, like I want that gift. So <laughs> it was yeah, really I got, cool. We got, I have dishes. I have got dishes that I use. I not do, yet. though, uh, probably about not about once a month, just as a challenge, I take 20, 25 bucks and I walk into a Goodwill and I spend that 25 bucks on stuff and then sell it on Facebook Marketplace. I do that nice. about once a month just for fun. And I always have 100% markup. So if I bought something for eight, I put it on there for 16 and then I slowly bring it down. I always... Uh, sell at least 80% of the stuff. No bank is going to give me, <laughs> if I stock 25 bucks, you know, that kind of markup, that kind of that kind of rate. Right. Well, that's, I, I'm super intrigued by the last thing you said. <laughs> it's almost derailing me a little bit because uh, actually our company right now uh, for, uh, I'm, I'm a sales and marketing director for a startup cryptocurrency company. And uh, one of the things we're doing with our investors right now, because we're fiercely committed as a company to not just you know selling them investment in a, in a coin, but really helping them to become wise investors and in knowing how to, to make the best use of the money that they have so that when they do have extra money, they don't go out and act all crazy, right? And so one of the things we're doing right now is actually helping them uh, through this. We're doing a challenge called Stack That Cash. And the whole point of it is to do exactly what you just said, Greg, where, uh, you know, hey, find ways, you know, things that people are throwing away or things that have been laying around your house hmm. and turn that around and learn how to to turn things that, that you're not using into cash. Take 25 bucks, go to go to Goodwill, come out with, you know, come out with 150 bucks or, you know, whatever it, it may be. Um, I love that you have that entrepreneurial spirit. It's kind of just seems to be this ingrained in you. So uh, before I ask my actual question, I want to ask this. Aside from what your parents did, what was the message in your home about career, about making money? How did your parents talk about that? And, you know, not necessarily just what they did, but what was the message in your home growing up? Uh, there was no message about money in my home, sadly. Mm. Um, my parents and uh, my mom has passed away. She died four years ago. My dad is still living. Uh, he just moved to Naples, Florida. He got remarried. God bless him. And, uh, you know, he was with he was with my mom for 56 years. And, you know, when you wake up to the same woman for 56 years, you get lonely when that person's gone. Yeah, um, sure. But they never they never in a formal way. David taught us about money. Um they never sat down like, okay, let's show you how to do a checkbook. You know, when checkbooks were, you know, a thing still are to some people. Right. Um, they, they, they never talked about money. I mean, so maybe that derails what you're going to No, happen. no, not at all. Matter of fact, it, they was, were entrepreneurial, it was actually my... But they don't, they never talked to us about money. Sure. And, you know, honestly, that was my suspicion because, uh, I think that it's a very much a generational thing. My parents never, I mean, they must've had conversations about money, but it was never in front of me. And, and I love that there's this kind of shift in parenting and in society. And I would just, uh, just encourage our listeners 
as you're raising children, whatever age they may be right now, if you still have the privilege of your children being at home, uh, don't be afraid to have honest conversations with your children about finances and the things that you're learning as an adult about how to better manage and steward the, the money and the blessings that you have in your life because you will set your children up for success and help them to not be afraid of money or especially afraid of earning money. And so uh, I just want to just kind of offer off that encouragement before we transition. Um, so Greg, thanks for just sharing a little bit of vulnerability to say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. There wasn't really much conversation about it. Um, I, I wish that my parents had, it's okay that they didn't, you know, uh, but I had to learn things and it took me a lot longer to learn money lessons in life. Yep. Um, had it been different, I think I could have been set up for greater success. And so, you know, if, if history goes as it should, <laughs> we would always learn from the previous generation. Uh, so it's always one of my goals. Anytime I can, can encourage a current generation to not follow in the footsteps of previous ones and truly make things better. Uh, for the next, I think it's it's important to do so. But Greg, let, let me just ask you, uh, because like most entrepreneurs, I'm sure that you've had lots of ideas throughout your life, but what was your first experience of being a business owner or exploring entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I was gonna, when you were talking about money, I, I would say that I've always been um, an idea thinker. So what I'm thinking, if you just think of high span or the, the time span of high school, um, and some of this can be kind of a downfall, but I was always thinking of ways to make money because my parents, again, David, you know, we didn't talk about money. I didn't, I didn't get allowance. I know some kids did, you know, my parents, you know, Hey, you know, can, there's such and such thing going on in school. You know, my dad would give me a $20 bill or $10 bill or whatever. But I remember reading an article in a newspaper about, uh, I read this, how a fire truck couldn't find a house and this family, um, their house burned down, and but they couldn't find the address. So I remember thinking, and this was in, this was in the 70s. Um, I graduated from high school in 1980, so you can do the math there. But so I thought, well, that's really stupid. So what I did is I went and got literally stencils. You know, like you hmm. go buy in a craft store, numbers zero through nine. And I went and I knocked door to door and said, here's a newspaper article. Of something. It wasn't in our community, but we're house. Um, I had the idea of painting your address on the curb because we had those kind of curbs. Mm -hmm. and, and I was getting like, you know, 10 bucks a pop. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea here. And all I did was I put the number and spray painted their number on the curb. You know, did I do hundreds of those? No, because some people are like, you know, take a hike, kid. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want numbers painted on my curb. It's on my house. I'm like, but you don't get the points. You're slammed door, you know, yeah. in my face. I did that. I, I mowed yards. I painted houses with my brother for one summer. Um, I, I And I, I would say that I've had a trail um, using Danny's word journey of always having ideas. Um some people may say that entrepreneurs, you know, are guilty of, you know, starting, ending, starting, ending, starting, ending. I'm, I've always been a risk taker. I, you know, um, I had a buddy that I was talking to just a couple of weeks ago about wanting to start a business. I'm like, well, what's keeping you from doing it? Oh, well, then I'd have to do this and then I have to do this. It's kind of like the shark tank thing. Like, you know, where they don't, right. they don't invest in mm -hmm. somebody because they're like, well, no, you're not, 
you're not all in. You know, you didn't quit your job and sell your, you know, your kids and, and like, no, I mean, I've always been willing <laughs> to just take risks and mm-hmm. just say, no, I'm going to do it. Um, that's just the way I'm wired. So, Greg, you are uh, in – so you have a digital marketing agency just like uh, myself, so me and you really can connect on that front. But what I really wanted to talk about today um, is is faith video, and we can even talk a little bit about you know Glimpse video. Um, <clears throat> you have two video marketing companies. Specifically, um, faith video is niched for uh, the faith community, and right. then Glimpse video is more for uh, businesses. But um, – I think the question I want to ask first is uh, why why video and why video marketing with those two companies? Yeah, so I, I have a, a digital marketing agency that I started in 2006, and um, and we mainly focus on branding and websites, you know, built on WordPress. But the thing that happened with that, Danny, is that, and I would I don't know the magical timeline of that, but right. After, you know, so 2006, 14, or so 16 years, like like year 13 or so, people were, you know, clients would come to me and say, do you do video? And what I would say is no, but here's two companies, three companies in the area that do that. And <clears throat> so then I started thinking, okay, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, the proverbial lot of money on the table and I'm just handing it off to somebody else which is not wrong because we do that in our in all of our businesses right right yep but then um what was kind of the impetus for that because my son uh ben who worked for me at the time saw this happening guys and he just said dad i can shoot video i can edit and he could he was doing you know he's always done stuff like that because i think of his age generationally and i'm like okay well because i can't Um, So I became, quote, unquote, the investor and invested in um, uh, cameras and good microphones and lighting. You know, you guys know all about that. And so we started doing that. Um, Basically, again, kind of going back to that entrepreneur conversation, we were meeting a need because clients had us. So now when people reached out to us, we were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely do. And we focused in on, you know, company profile videos, video testimonials you know, of their customers and stuff like that. But we were charging, you know, $3,500, $4,000. We were on the low end of most video uh, production companies' um, pricing scale. Right. But what I started to bump into, and I think, Danny, you'll resonate with this, is that then that was companies who had a budget that could write a check for that. Well, right. how many of the smaller businesses, to put them in that category, said, you know, I'd love to do that, but I can't pay, you know, two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. And so that really right. then birthed, in, you know, through a relationship and started Glimpse Video. The faith video thing um, was kind of one of those, duh, because I, my previous life, I went to Ball State University, which is in Muncie, Indiana. David Letterman is probably our well biggest well-known alumni uh, and then Jim Davis, if you guys know the Garfield cartoonist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he actually went to Ball State as well. And then our other well-known um, alumni is, I don't know if you guys ever remember the show Three's Company. Yep. Really old, well, the brunette in there. Um, she was a 
uh, Ball State grad. Anyways, I digress. But so then with Faith Video, so I when I graduated from Ball State University, I went into full time Christian ministry. Okay. Uh, with a uh, campus college ministry called InterVarsity. And so I served uh, nine years with InterVarsity and then served on a 4,000-plus member church in South Carolina, Columbia, um, uh, as a director of singles ministry. So literally this summer, um, 2022, I had an epiphany and go, gosh, churches need help with video because they don't have big budgets, you know, and if they do, if they're doing video, they're tapping on skill sets of people in the church, which usually means they're a larger church. And so I just kind of had, you know, all right, let's brand up faith video and um, let's go for it. So Greg, one of the <clears throat> questions just to, I want to define this a little bit glimpse video what is your target audience if you had to name one? Um, I would say Glimpse Video is targeted to the small, medium sized businesses who want to grow their pipeline by using video messaging and want a DIY or in house solution that they can afford. Gotcha. And then so and then Faith Video is obviously for faith community. So my 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 follow up question to this that I'm like dying to know um, is how have you seen, like, what have you observed through creating faith video from since you've niched kind of down to a very specific, like, category of, of people that you want to service? Like, what are some differences or some things you've observed since you've done that? Um, it's actually harder to get in the door than it is with a business, believe it or not. And, and maybe you can get that because I'll give you an example. Um, back in October, um, the Evangelical Free Church, I've had some connections there, and they have in our local region, that's called the Midwest Conference, um, there's about 250 to 300 churches in there, and I paid 100 bucks to do you know a booth at there, but I, I hardly had anybody stop by. My, my speculation is this, guys, is that I had a really nice tablecloth, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I think when people saw faith and then the word video, they just start checking off some mental boxes like, oh, video streaming. Um, hmm. Oh, video. They just they just kind of check out on me without coming by the table and go, OK, so what is this? Now, I did have two people that d did that and mm -hmm. they go, OK, what are you? What do you do? And when I explained it to them, they're like, oh, that's not at all what I thought <laughs> you did so education i find in that it, i have to educate and spend a little more time um, because video just like like anything else is broad right we're doing a video podcast you know if, if you had a business you mm -hmm. know you just had the name video on it but that was your niche is to help people do video podcast you have to educate people you know that that's what you do and streaming and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> obviously, I'm a big proponent of this, and I think you are as well, Greg. I don't ever, I don't, I don't ever try to provide a service if I haven't done it and see it be successful in my own, in my own business or in my own world. So I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I know there's, there's a ton of benefits, but if you were going to educate the audience on why they should 
get into video, what are some of the benefits uh, for producing video for their company, uh, their brand, whatever it might be? Yeah. So <laughs> I was kind of laughing inside when you said, don't do it. That's not me. <laughs> I don't I don't try to necessarily prove it first. Um, again, I told you I was a risk taker. Yeah, that's um, true. Um, so, I, you know, to me, some of the big uh, the check off the boxes with video um, when it comes down, if you boil it down to messaging, so you think messaging, so we can, you can throw up a meme. Can memes communicate? Absolutely. Can text communicate? Absolutely. But can video communicate? I think in more ways than one. And what I mean by that is that um, listening to a, a podcast or watching a podcast, if somebody had the option, I get it. You know, if you're driving in your car, you're going to do an audio. Uh, coming home the other day from Indianapolis or from uh, Ohio to go see my mother-in-law, I actually pulled up a Jordan. I, I just signed up for Daily Wire Plus and gotcha. loving it. And I was listening to a Jordan uh, Peterson podcast on Exodus. Well, I had the camera there. I wasn't watching it while I was, I mean, while I was driving, <laughs> you know, so, but I was listening to the podcast through my, uh, through my uh, car, my audio phone speakers. But there's right. an emotion there. I, I can't get the same thing out of video. And so video, in some respect, it's not new, right? It's not new. Right. I mean, right. would, you know, back, I'm, I'm going to use the illustration, the comparison. You know, if, if you're 82 years old, you know, people talk about the radio broadcast. You know, I'm going way back in the 40s and the 50s. I mean, <laughs> but people were surrounded around a radio, but mm -hmm. holy cow, when the TV came out, you know, everybody didn't throw their radios away, but those radios got dusty. People people didn't listen yeah. to the radio anymore. They watched TV because it was more engaging. So businesses need to to and do video because it it moves the marketing needle for people when they can see the, the emotions, uh, the behavior behind that. Right. Um, it's just you know, you mentioned it earlier, Danny, entertainment, but right. there is an entertainment value to that. Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> I think that is uh, extremely interesting. I'll go back to my point where I said why I try it. For me, it's about social proof, and that's my big thing with, with video, right? I love video testimonials. Uh, like, obviously, I love educating and doing videos that way, but I think that video testimonials are like, I mean, one of the Gold. easiest – it's gold. It's one of the easiest things that you can do to show um, to whoever might be like a, a prospect that they should want to do business with you. I mean, there's nothing better than that to me. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know, and, you know, now the challenge that, that entrepreneurs have or the business have is getting the person, you know, the proverbial horse to the trough and the horse gets there and goes, I, I don't want to drink this water getting somebody to get in front of their camera and record a video testimonial. But then I think there's a mindset. If that customer understands the power or the passion behind the brand, you know, if they can say, you know, let me tell you about my experience with Acme roofing company. Right. Then if you can get them to do that for a minute or two minutes, then your business is definitely going to uh, benefit from that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. If you can, if somebody will give you one minute and get on camera, 
that says enough for a lot of people that are looking at your website, or, you know, or finding or looking at your social media. Like you must have done something really good because the majority of people like. I think there's still the stigma, right, with video. Like, they don't like to be on video. So when they see somebody was willing to get on video, a lot of times I think people think, oh, there's a really good reason why they took the time to do that. Yeah, well, then really... go ahead, David. Nope, nope, it's all you. No, I was going to say then, but then there's, it's, I think, because of YouTube, because of TikTok, because of Instagram Reels, you know, because of, because of now – People are more comfortable. I mean, the pandemic did more to help jumpstart the whole video craze, right? Because yes. now it's just raw, you know? Yep. I, you know, I've been saying, oh, Danny and David, I don't want to meet with you because I just started my beard, which I do, but I love it that we all have beards, <laughs> you know? But, and I, and I, but we have a vainness in our culture. I mean, it's hard for me to get women, females, to do video testimony because like, Oh, Greg, I don't like the way I look. I'm like, I don't, I, I care what you look like, ma'am, but I don't care what you, I want right. you to speak your voice into existence. And, you know, people don't go, Oh, look at that person's hair. You know, I mean, they just, it's the power of the video. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was just thinking, Greg, this is funny, but maybe we should get a filter for the video testimonials where they could be like the uh, witnesses <laughs> that don't want to be seen for the, you know, the FBI. And they can leave their testimonial, and the filter will have them shaded out, but we can still hear their voices. My name is, Drew, my name is Judy. <laughs> I love my roof. <laughs> that would all be their amazing. Faces, yeah. All their faces would look like a Minecraft character. <laughs> <laughs> or Elon Musk. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we could do, yeah. Hey, look, the, the deep fake is there. So... Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Before we digress, <clears throat> you know, one of the things, Greg, that we love to talk about on on our show, and we're uh, we're just you know a little more than a dozen episodes, and really loving what what's happening here with this podcast. Danny and I have mentioned this often. If even we are the only two people that learn anything from this episode, uh, we're grateful for it because we want to grow and we want to learn from. Everyone that we can, especially people who are out there doing truly great things. So we're really grateful, again, uh, to have you on with us today as someone that we believe people should know. Um, but So the, the second half of our conversation here uh, today really revolves around networking. Uh, such an important part of growing a business is really getting the word out there about the fact that you even have a business. And so I would love to just hear... You just, I'm just going to leave it very open ended for you, Greg, because I, I, I you know, I just appreciate uh, your your mode of of communication. What was that like for you as you started your business and getting the word out there? Did you have a strategy? Were you shooting from the hips, or you know, what was that? What was that beginning part of your journey like as far as getting the word out? Yeah. So is this question a setup? I mean, are you just like you? <laughs> No, because um, we're we're about to find out. No, I, can either, no. I can either confirm or deny at this point. Yeah, I can either confirm or deny. So when I launched my business in 2006, my uh, my strategy in Greenfield, Indiana, was to get involved in the local chamber of commerce. And when mm -hmm. one of my goals is that, and and I this was my mantra, I. I didn't tell people this, but in my brain, I said, I want to be known as the web guy. So when somebody in business said, 
you know, hey, do you know anybody that does websites? I want it to be top of mind. And so I worked my beep, my butt off yep. to, um, to just be that guy. And it was amazing for almost 12 years. I was the only organized company in Greenfield, Indiana, population 24,000 to, you know, it was like, it was a very small town. I was the web guy. Wow. And I got lots of business, not just because I was the only web guy, because my biggest competition wasn't a company in Indianapolis because Greenfield is a bedroom community. My biggest competition were what I call Bubba's. And a Bubba, I define mm -hmm. as, you know, well... My, my kid at college does website or I got a cousin, you know, that does website. And yep. that was that was my biggest competition. And then I learned as I matured and said, well, you know, Bubba probably can build you a website. But will Bubba be there to sustain that marketing momentum, you know, right. as your business grows? Well, mm. you got a point there, you know, because he'll bid you a website, but then he'll be like, Quit bugging me. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm in college right now. Leave me yeah, alone. I'm in college. I don't, you know, I did, I did what you asked me to do. So um, that became a lot of motivation. And so without a doubt, David, the number one way that I built my business and to this day is through networking. Um, you know, I was a member of a BNI chapter for six years. I'm now currently a member of an organization called H7. I meet on Wednesday mornings from 7.30 to 8.30. I go to a Friday morning group from 12 to 1. Um, it's all about networking. It's about getting the word out. It's about, you know, relationships. Um, uh, that's, that is the number one. I never understand companies, successful companies, who say, oh, I just don't have time to, to network. I'm like, you then are a business that eventually will just kind of, you know, peter out because it's all about building wow. relationships. Well, what an incredibly strong, you know, strong word, Greg, you know, thank you for being bold enough and willing to say that because it's very true that the reality is like, if you're not going to put yourself out there, if you're not willing to talk about your own business, you, you should never expect that other people are going to be willing to talk about your business either. And in a business that's that's not at the forefront of people's minds, you're right, is a business that is very likely to not be around within a couple of years. It's something that I respect actually tremendously about Danny is just the way that, you know, for somebody who's not a natural networker, and that's going to be my next question for you, Greg, uh, Danny not being a natural networker has really grown to become quite um, quite the expert in networking, and he's really devoted himself to becoming good at that. Would you say, Greg, that you are someone that, that came naturally to, or did you have to work pretty hard at it? Um, I think it kind of came naturally to me. I mean, there were components or connections or um, tactics, dynamics. Um, I mean, I've I've listened to a lot. BNI really helped me to understand, you know, giver's gain. And so while I was kind of communicating to you guys and to those listening that, you know, network, I didn't want to make it sound like it's all about me because the people <laughs> that I meet, you know, I, I've been very conscious to say, you know, I would meet somebody and go, oh, you're the only person that does that that I know and have known, you know, um, and they have some unique profession. I meet, I remember meeting one time a guy that all he did was wrought iron stair 
uh, handrails. Oh. I remember going to him. I'm going, well, listen, you're the only guy on the planet that I know that does that right now. <laughs> I don't know anybody else that does that. So when I, you know, find somebody an opportunity, you will be the first person I call. And I was actually right. able to give him one referral. Um, but because of the skill and his, you know, it was thousands of dollars for his business and his family. Um, that's what I love about networking is just keeping my ears open, um, learning. There is an organization that I just found out about, guys, called Synergize here in Indianapolis. That's the name of it. And you pay $50 a month to join this. But here's the deal is that when you go to this organization, you cannot talk about your business. So you can't do the proverbial I mean, they, they really, I haven't been to a meeting yet. I'm going as a guest to another friend of mine. But one of the things that they do is that they say is that when you show up in the room and they get 100 to 150 people coming, is that if you give 50 bucks a month, $25 goes towards administration and the other $25 goes to, towards a local charity that they earmark. But when you go, I can't go in and say, well, Danny, tell me what you do. You know, you can't answer, well, I'm a website guide, but you have to answer, yep. well, you know, I've been married 16 years or, you know, Greg, did you know that I collect uh, turtles? Like, I didn't know that, Danny. I didn't know you <laughs> yeah. collect turtles. But you just have to talk about who you are and, and build the relationship. And I'm like, hmm. part of my cynical side was like, really? Uh, nobody ever asked. So, okay, what do you do? No, I, no they, they just frown. They're just trying to build relationships. Interesting. Interesting dynamic on networking. Yeah, I would say so. That's, uh, I can see some very healthy aspects to that for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'd love to be a uh, fly on the wall. I'm going to go. Yeah. I think the next meeting is next Tuesday. Look, just, just do like, like a couple of like from the chest videos for us so we can kind of see what it's like. Oh, that guy's you know, asking or... him what to do. He's going to boom. He's going to be counting. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, I know that, uh, you know, in this terms of like with networking and just your own journey, I'm sure that you've got many, many stories. I'd love to just hand it over to you. Just, you know, where are your thoughts on this as, as we enter into this portion of our conversation here on the podcast today? Yeah, uh, I just, I agree fully with Greg. And as Dave said, I used to make fun of Dave um, back when we were doing ministry together. Uh, I was like, dude, you're just always meeting people. You're just, you're just like a man. Of, I, I think I used the term like man of many meetings. And I was like, is anything ever getting done? Um, and one of the things that I have learned over the last three years has been like, where the true blessing comes in owning a business. So the reason I say that is this past Tuesday, we had a Christmas social. Uh, Greg, I'm a part of a BNI chapter here in the York area. And I've been in there for, you know, three years now. But I went to that, uh, you know, social, we had a great time. You know, we're all, uh, it's a really great chapter. There is a lot of great, to use the word that you use for this thing, there's a lot of great synergy there. Like, People just like each other, and 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 we've we've grown to a point where, um, like, yes, we're yes, like the goal of BNI is to pass referrals, but we're friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I left there, and we're driving on the way home, and I was like, "That's my favorite part of doing business." Is has sure I love getting sales. Yes, I got to feed my family, and all that is important. 
But the thing that really like makes me feel fulfilled is going to that social with a group of people, all these new people that I've met, like those are my people. That's my community. And so from a network, I would never have met those people if it wouldn't have been for networking, if it wouldn't be for getting together with them, you know, having a one hour conversation over a cup of coffee. And as you say, right, we talk about how we can be beneficial in business. But then I also hear about like what's going on in people's lives with their kids, uh, you know, how things are going in their career. And so man, I just I just think that as I've gone along in business and Greg, I would love to hear your take on this. Like, I think you reach a point in business and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just very like naive, but I feel like at some point it just becomes more about the relationships than like maybe the pat on the back because you have a successful business. It's like it's about the people that I've met, the people that I get, that I'm going to meet, even that I haven't met yet along this journey that makes it way more, it's like the more important part of this necessarily than, you know, getting an award or getting, you know, something that says, Hey, you've been successful. What would you agree with that, Greg? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm thinking, I'm just contemplating the fact, you know, the reason I'm on your guys' podcast is because Danny, you reached out to me with, you know, which was a form of networking and, right. And, you know, and said, Hey, I want to pick your brain on, you know, on some stuff. And, you know, and I didn't feel like there was any, you know, you weren't trying to sell me on something. I mean, we had common interests, but there was an investment there. I was willing to have that shared investment of time. And we initially did a zoom and right. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I love, I love reaching out. I get into conversations with people in networking experiences. I remember meeting a guy a few years ago who was starting a marketing agency. Trust me, my brain went back to 2006 when I was starting. And, and I said, and I looked at him, I said, dude, what are you doing on this? I mean, do you have written proposals? No, I don't. I just do a handshake. I'm like, no, you don't. And I just went through the, I said, I'm willing to dump the truck and give you everything I have use what you want. He's like, seriously? I'm like, seriously, if somebody would have did that for me, in oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> I would be like, Oh, thank you so much. Because I know what it's like, because I, I'm not trying to say I'm the old fart, but I'm just like, you know, you need a written contract. You, you don't have, you're not using proposal software. Well, here I use Panda doc. Let me, let me show you around. And I gave right. you a little tour, you know, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's just helping guys out. And uh, one of the gals who used to work for me, um, Lisa, uh, she did an internship with me and then I hired her for about a year. She now runs her own marketing, successful marketing agency. And we meet at least one or two times a year. That's awesome. She's that is awesome. quite successful. The only thing slowing her down now, she's had two kids and she's like, these dang kids, I can't get, <laughs> I can't get any work done, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I love it too, man. Um, and it's been awesome, Greg, getting a chance to, to, to meet with you. Um, as you said, you know, we met on Zoom. We, you know, you were very gracious to let me pick your brain. Um, Dave, I want to let you have a second, any final thoughts that you have, and then pass it over to Greg. We want to we make sure that everybody can um, know where to find Greg on socials, on, uh, on, you know, faith video, glimpse video. Whatever you can, you can give that. So, Dave, why don't you go ahead and any final thoughts you have, and then and then we'll let Greg kind of tell people how they can find him. Yeah. So, Greg, uh, again, just uh, a, a, a truly big thank you for being on our podcast today. <clears throat> thank you for sharing 
not just in your knowledge, but your life and, and, and the wisdom that comes from a life of leading to where you are now. Um, <clears throat> uh, congratulations to you on, on the success of the business that you're building. And, and we truly do wish you continued growth and success to, to really have your business Thank become you. everything that it's intended to be yep. and the impact that it's meant to have on our world. Uh, we're in your corner, man. We champion you, and we're so glad to have you as an example to us and to our listeners about what it truly looks like to be to become someone that people should know. And so thank you for being on today. Take just a few minutes, if you would, please. Let people know how they can connect with you, where they can find you, whatever information you would like to share uh, about where people can get the most out of Greg Cross. Yeah, probably the most um, first step is on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there was a period there, and when I talk about period, like 12 years, <laughs> where I was like everybody <laughs> else and I was on LinkedIn, and they're like, do you do you get anything on LinkedIn? I'm like, no, but I'm on there. But now I think I'm, I'm, I've learned in the last couple of years, um, not perfectly, but, you know, and I think LinkedIn has done a lot of things to change the culture on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. but that's they can find me on there uh, under just Greg Cross. Um, I would encourage those in the faith community, uh, think churches, pastors, um, nonprofit ministries, even as big as, you know, um, uh, you know, Franklin Graham's, you know, or so, I mean, just big ministries, check out faith.video. It's not a faith. It's not a dot com. It's not a dot org faith.video. I'd love to connect with them there. Um, those are probably, the, oh, wow. and then Twitter. Duh, how can we, I am on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Twitter. Gregory, right? I'm under Gregory Cross there because there was a Greg Cross back eight, nine years ago when I jumped on Twitter. Um, Twitter's okay. actually becoming fun now. I actually like it. I like all the, <laughs> I like all the new blood that uh, Musk has uh, infused. Right on, man. Well, thanks for bringing us all the way back around to where we started the conversation today. Again, uh, just a, a huge thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, so, uh, Greg, I will definitely uh, be tweeting you, and I'll be following all your tweets now that I know you have the blue check mark um, and that you're <laughs> verified. So, can, can we can we normal guys get the blue check mark, or do you have to qualify? Uh, you got to qualify. You got to qualify unless you pay for the yeah. subscription. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have Greg on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Greg Cross, a person that you should know. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. See ya. Thanks for joining us this week on the People You Should Know podcast. A very special thank you to today's guests for sharing their journey with us. If you have been listening to the podcast and have really been enjoying it, would you consider giving our show a five-star rating or leaving a review? If you are on a platform that allows you to do that, leaving us a review will help other people to discover our content and could be the difference in them making the connections they need to unlock their greatest potential. More importantly, we want to hear from our fans and would love your feedback so we know how our show is inspiring you to chase your dreams. Also, if you are not getting email alerts when new episodes are released, be sure to sign up today. You can do that by going to heydoyouknow.com and putting your email right there in the episode alerts box. Once again, 
Thank you for joining the People You Should Know podcast. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to connect with others and unlock your greatness. Thanks for listening to the People You Should Know podcast. Do you know somebody amazing? Do you wish everyone knew about them? We can't wait to hear from you. Drop by one of our social pages and send us a message with your nominee to be a featured guest on People You Should Know.